This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of the Scobro Show. This is Behind the Steel Curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you. It's Tuesday night. It's just after 9 p.m. Week one is in the books. And with me, as always, my big brother, Rich. Rich, how's it going tonight? Oh, this is going to feel so good to breathe in that sweet smell of victory. Oh, my goodness. It, it I'll tell you what, the post-game show podcast, it was so much fun. It was like a real post-game show. Uh, I mean, I, the preseason, they were all primetime games, so we were all dragging by the end of it. I mean, was it just that it way, was the right time of the day? It was just what happened. Go ahead. The only way I knew what was going on in the podcast was by watching what was going on in the live chat. Uh-huh. Because I will answer, because Cree's going to ask me sooner rather than later on here. No Cree, no deer. For the freezer on Sunday night, um, unfortunately. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I was out in the tree stand, and so I, I brought up just so I could keep an eye on what was going on in the live chat. So I couldn't hear you guys talking at all. Uh, you know what? You were that was probably just as good, <laughs> just as good, just following the live chat. And boy, was it a crazy live chat! Oh my gosh, yes, it was. We're going crazy, but I mean, it's it, it's interesting because there's. When it came to this game, I have to remind people, I put this out on Twitter. I put it in my numbers article. Um, to understand how big of a deal this was, the Pittsburgh Steelers had not won a game where they were underdogs by six and a half points or more since December of 2012 in mm -hmm. Baltimore. And that was the Charlie Batch game. If you know what I'm talking about, oh, I do. That was, well, that yeah. was that one came up with you know mm -hmm. after that game was one of my favorite ever Pittsburgh Dad episodes. So yeah, so I mean hey, that's nine nine seasons nine seasons. Now, granted, that was towards the end of the season. This was in week one, but the, nine seasons since that's happened with the Steelers. Now, granted, a lot of that is that they're not always that much of an underdog. So some people are like that's because people were counting the Steelers out a lot. I mean. Some people were curious about that line being what it was because Buffalo was a very, and I do believe still is, a very popular pick to reach the Super Bowl this year. Then you're going to their house. The Steelers have a, a, several new coaches, including an offensive coordinator, almost an entirely new offensive line, some changes in the defense, which we will get to. I understand why they were underdogs. I understand oh, yeah. because the last time they were on the field, not in preseason, it was not a it was a performance that Steelers fans would love to forget. But I kept saying this offseason 
the Pittsburgh Steelers believe that this is a team that was very, very close last year. They won 11 straight games. And, you know, you got people that want to poo-poo that and say, look who they played and blah, blah, blah. All you can do is beat the teams you're matched up against. You know what? They crushed the Browns. They beat the Ravens twice. Granted, one time they were decimated with COVID stuff, but the Steelers got everything twisted around for their week. And they went to Tennessee and beat the Titans. I mean, they did some, they, they, they still had good wins along the way last year. It just, they, they, they fizzled out. They didn't finish strong, but the the Steelers felt like because of that, they were really close, that they were on the cusp and that they just needed to do a few things, but other people didn't feel that way, but it doesn't matter what other people thought. And now I said, if the Steelers win this game, look out because I mean, I'll ask you, do you remember what you had for the, for the Steelers record for the year? I do not. I was, I know for, cause it's documented. I had 11 and six. I had 11 and six. I thought that was, that, that was good. I think and, I did 10, you know, double digit wins. And I've been, I've had people, well, person, I'm, let's not go into that. Constantly calling me out. When are you going to defend your 11 and six when I'm going six and 11, blah, 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 blah. Uh, here, I'll tell you why and everything else. And I'm like, I went 11 and uh, six, went game uh, by game. Uh, but isn't it from, awful that all yeah. you had to do is bring it up? I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, and, and who knows? There's still 16 more games to be played. So we don't right. put the cart before the horse. Don't no. put the cart before the horse. But still, my, the, my whole point of this, if you were ambitious, and let's say you even had the Steelers win in 12 games. Well, let's say you went crazy, said they're going to go 13 and four. Chances are this was one of the ones that you had as a loss. If you were the most ultimate, well, not to a ridiculous point that you're going to pick the Steelers to go 17-0, and but if you were saying, hey, I'm really optimistic about this team, I think they're going to win 13 games. I don't know if anyone has picked them, seriously picked them to win more than 13 games. This was still going to be one of those games that you would chalk up as a loss. This was one of the hardest games on their schedule. Between this one, going to Kansas City, um, Probably, you know, who knows how the rest of the, of the AFC North is going to be when it all comes around. But these were games that you looked at as being the most difficult games in the schedule. And they won it. Yeah. And they went in there and took care of business and won it. That is the whole reason behind the title of tonight's episode, which is, which I'm going to screw up unless I actually read it. Said, so is it too early to get excited about the 2021 Steelers? Is it too early to get excited about the Steelers, Rich? It's never too early to get excited. What what changes as the year goes around is what you can be excited about. Like, I have a couple things in particular that very much excited me about that game. Yeah. And at some point, we are you're going to have to let me hit on them because oh, they're very absolutely. different, very different things that I'm was excited about. Okay, it. we'll we'll get to that. I want to bring up this comment. Wes said, for the record, Dave, yes, I picked them to go 13 and four. That's ambitious. That, yeah, and I Wes said, was this was a loss for me. This was a loss for me. So that's the thing. Even the people that thought the Steelers could win almost all of their games still didn't think this was one of the ones for, I mean, there was too many things for the Steelers to have to get together. You know, I was, when I did my staff prediction, people told me I was crazy because of something that I said. And, I, and, and I'll say, I didn't pick the Steelers to win this game. I picked them to cover. You know, in the staff picks, I had the Steelers picked. I, I'm like, I think they'll cover. It's going to be tough to really pull out the win. 
Um, I actually gave a scenario where they were they were getting ready to tie the game to go to overtime, and there was like a bad snap. You know, so many little right. things that were new, like a bad snap, a bad hold, things like that that could have happened. Um, but in my prediction, I predicted the Steelers. I predicted the Bills to score seventeen points, and I said I am the most confident, believe it or not, in the defense holding the Bills to seventeen points. I just wasn't confident confident enough in the Steelers to score enough to win. Yeah. And what do you know? They scored 16 points. So I was pretty close with that. But yeah. at the same time, you know, there was there were people that were ready to write the Steelers off at halftime when they were down 10 to nothing. Like Jeff Hartman said, the people in his mentions, absolutely crazy. They were ready to write the Steelers off at halftime. And they came out, they did their thing. The the offensive line still wasn't great, but was better. Um, and speaking of offensive line, let's bring up the super chat. $5 yep. from Sean Manahan. He says, seeing the way Villanueva looked last night made me think TJ is really going to be looking forward to the matchup. I don't think so, Sean. I don't think he's going to last till December. Steelers don't play him till December. I don't, I don't know that it's going to last that long. So that's the only thing. I forget um, which story I was reading on the website today where someone made, mm -hmm. made a comment. Boy, Baltimore, looking really good. You traded away because you basically had – Two, two, you felt you had two left tackles and you trade one away then that played left tackle, move the other one from right tackle to left tackle, and then do what? Bring in another guy who was a left tackle, but not as good as the guy you traded away. Yeah. Stick him at right tackle. It's like, and, and, and yeah. there was a reason the Steelers didn't bring him back. I mean, yep. I love Big Al as a person. I love what he did when he was with the Steelers, but sometimes you hit a point where you know it's over, you know. And that's what happened. And it was so funny to see the SB Nation site uh, of the of the Baltimore Ravens, which is called Baltimore Beatdown, which I think is ironic because I'm like, that's is that what you're giving or is that what you're receiving? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they, they said they, they tagged us in a tweet, uh, you know, behind the steel curtain and said, uh, yeah, maybe we should have listened to you about that. And was, <laughs> saying, oh, yeah, look at us. We got your left tackle. We got your two time all pro left tackle. Like, take him. The only, th I mean, the only thing that would have made that even oh, better no, would have either. happened to, to 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 counter the compensatory formula because yes, it, that yeah. would have been nice. But but let's, you know what? That's let's okay. It was brought up. We were going to mention that anyway, but I I got to go off on a little something here, okay? And, no, you're going to go off on something. Yeah. What do you know? I mean, you're 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 going to be surprised. Just, you're like, yeah, I am going to go off. Okay. We just, there okay. were. There were a couple things in this game before you get to bring up some of these points that I know you really want to bring up. Um, some people were were quite critical of the the Bills coach, who I think is a fantastic coach, Sean McDermott, and his decisions, his two fourth down decisions. Now, Jeff Hartman made a good point about the first one, but I made up, uh, but I had made up my mind, but then Jeff made a good point. I'm like, I expected him to go for that fourth and eight. It was too long for a field goal. If you put it in the end zone, you're not even getting, you're getting what, 20 yards or something. If so, that. and he believed that his offense could do it. Jeff's point was the Steelers defense is great. It's going to be hard to get eight yards. And the offense was struggling. Why not pin them deep? That's a good point too. I could see both ways. People want to roast him because it didn't work. Then you look at the other fourth down, fourth down play where they ran where they ran the play. Uh, and and I'll be one hundred percent honest with you. If you're if you told me as a coach that I could get the ball in the hands of my running back, and the only person that could stop him is 
a cornerback, and I have my full bra- fullback free to block him, I'll take it every time. Yeah. And say, we're going to win that battle. Because if that fullback is able to block Cam Sutton and he doesn't make that play, not only is that's at least a 20-yard gain, if not a touchdown, but Cam Sutton didn't allow himself to get blocked, made a fantastic play. My thing is, was that a bad decision to go on that fourth and one? And the answer is, it's all outcome-based, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if they if they get if they only get one yard and get the conversion there, then he's a genius for going out for it on fourth and one, right? Yeah. Okay. So, which is funny because then Sean Manahan throws in five bucks. He said, and he said, Bill, play calling reminded me of Randy Land. It's not the play calling; it's one, the execution, and two, fooling the defense, which they didn't do. The defense did what they needed to do to get that done. So the reason that that that, that kind of bugs me is, is outcome-based conclusions. Drives me nuts. Oh, it's terrible, coach. Terrible call. Okay. We do the same thing about, you know, I was overly critical about the Steelers punting on at the first play of the fourth quarter in their playoff game. Overly critical. You know what? If they go for that in the fourth and one and they don't get it, then it's like, oh, you handed him the game. If they do get it, he's a genius. You know, it's yep. all outcome based from that point on. And there's so many things that we that we that we judge about. I mean, people are still debating about the onside kick at the end of the of the playoff game in 2017, which statistically I still say was the right call. Because how often do you actually lose yardage because of a penalty and put the team in field goal range automatically? Anyway, but people are like, oh, it's such a terrible call because it's all outcome based all outcome-based, which brings me to this. Those people out there, you're idiots if you're saying. <laughs> I'm already calling you idiots before I even tell you who you are. Oh, anybody who picked the Bills to win, you're just a fair-weather fan. That You don't even know what that word means, okay? You don't know what that word means because you want to know what – Anybody that was for that was that covers the Steelers or follows the Steelers, like our staff picks everything else. If the Steelers don't win that game, guess what you're saying? Oh, those people that pick the Steelers, you're just homers. You need to actually study the football and get a football IQ. It's all outcome based, and you're saying it's a fair. So I'm sorry, live chat. Most of you must be fair weather fans because a lot of you pick the Bills to win this game, and I don't blame you one bit. Because you want to have some credibility, but for, but people that say that, and I know some people are really critical of the national media for picking the steel for not picking the Steelers. You know what? I really don't blame them. You know what? I'm going to blame them when they turn around and don't pick them this week. That's yeah. what I'm. That's what I'm going to blame them. Okay. So if you think people that 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 if you think that someone to be a serious person who covers the Steelers must pick them every game. You're an idiot. So, sorry. That's my well, kind of my rate. To, to me, that's why my pick was, you know, my pick was 24-23 Bills. I yeah. thought it could be tight. To me, yeah. for the Steelers to win, a couple things had to go right for them, some of which I want to talk about here in a little bit. Yes. So, I'm sorry I had to go out on that on that bit of a rant, but I'm just like, I understand if you're like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I'm like, I love it that the Steelers won. I thought that there was – I kept saying – you all right? Okay. I'm saying I'm all right. Okay. <laughs> Your mic's going crazy. Um, Sorry. I thought they could win. I thought they could. I just didn't know that they could pull it all together. I'm like, with questions on the defense. Well, first of all, we've got no questions with stuff went on defense. Rich, 
You bring up what you would like to talk All about right. in this past week while we're I, at it. I want to bring up one is a straight up statement, and the other one is a potential point or something to think about. Okay. Um, Keith Butler's scheme. Okay. Was phenomenal. Okay. We did not play what people have gotten used to be regular Steeler football, and especially some of the Steeler defensive football under Keith Butler. We That's spent correct. most of that game rushing four. Yeah. Rushing four, dropping seven. I've seen two okay. reports. One that the Steelers blitzed once, one that the Steelers blitzed twice. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I actually did the the um the Mike Tobman press conference podcast on the audio side today. I filled in for Jeff because he had a dentist appointment. I actually, I can't, I couldn't believe I said this. I'm like, I'm such a nerd, but I'm like, it doesn't matter if it was one blitz, two blitz, red blitz, blue blitz. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I've got I'm like, did I just say that? Can I go cut that out? Um, but yeah, it was only one or two. Right. I can remember the one, the one I remember because mm-hmm. it was Trey Norwood who blitzed. So uh-huh. he 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 blitzed the one time. But anyway, mm-hmm. the whole plan of rushing four, dropping seven, but I think part of the reason Keith Butler did that was because he said, you know what? I like the four guys I'm rushing. Yeah. I think we can still get pressure. You you okay? are which yeah. which leads me, which which all lead, kind of leads me to one of my points, and that was um all right, so everybody that's out there probably knows how much of a Star Wars fan Dave is, right? Like he is, yes, he is a Star Wars fan like crazy. Um, I, I like Star Wars, but probably not near like Dave, where I'm the much bigger fan is Marvel. Mm-hmm. Well, so am I, but... <laughs> you're a fan of Marvel, but I know you're not a Marvel fan like I'm a Marvel mm-hmm. fan, okay? So all I kept thinking... yesterday and today about one particular player on the Steelers. I had a scene from a Marvel movie and a quote. Okay. And it's from, it's from Avengers infinity war. And all I could see was someone being down on the bill sideline, looking out at the Steelers defense and saying, looking at number 97 and saying, who's that dude. And somebody turning him and in their best Drax voice saying, that is not a dude. You are you are a dude. That is a man. <laughs> that is a man. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. You hey, know. um, real quick. Sure. I gotta clarify this. Brian Brown says, must be an idiot. I'm not picking against the Steelers. I'm not <laughs> saying you're an idiot if you pick the Steelers. I'm saying you're an idiot if you think that anyone who ever picks against the Steelers is a Fairweather fan. That was my yes. I think we get that now. So go ahead. All right. Get so you. so really. Keith Butler's scheme is real, pretty much staying nickel and dime the whole the whole game to uh-huh. defend the pass and letting his four guys up front still just wreak havoc on Josh Allen all day. Yeah, was phenomenal. Was phenomenal. Yeah. All right. The second thing, and this is more of a question potentially because it's okay. it's not a hundred percent known. But, you know, so those of you that have listened for a while out there know that I spent, you know, 11 years as a member of the tribe down at William & Mary um, doing some work. And we know that both Coach Tomlin and Coach McDermott were members of the tribe. 
I also noticed a lot last year in Buffalo games that Coach McDermott and his staff seem to be the masters of halftime adjustments. Yes, they were. Was there any thought that Matt Canada stayed more vanilla in the first half and didn't make adjustments sooner? Because he didn't, the Steelers didn't want to give the Bills the opportunity to make the halftime adjustments. Hmm. And we came out and threw some different things at them come second half. Oh, much different outcome. I think you are 80% correct there. Yeah. I'm going to tweak it. Okay. I don't know that they kept it vanilla or whatever. I think they might have had. I never thought about this until you brought this up. They, they, had, a, they had a first, they had half, a first plan. half plan yes. and no, a second right. half plan that they yeah. knew that there were things that they were going to do in the second half that they weren't going to show in the Correct. first half unless they had to. Correct. And I mean, they had so few possessions and everything else. So, and they were in the game the whole time. Correct. I mean, do you realize it, neither team reached the red zone until inside the two minute warning of the first half? Yes. Neither team. Yes. So, that's a really good point that that it might have been like, hey, if they're going to adjust to what we do in the first half, then we're going to have two different. We're going to have another plan for half number two. That is yeah. a really good point. I don't know if they did it, but I tell you what, they should have. If they it, didn't, because that's what they in essence no, did. It, yeah, it looked like it. Yeah, some of the plays in the second half just looked so much different than anything we'd run in the first half. That's that's a really good point. You know, that you're like, I see to me as a coach, and, that's and more I'm to sorry, me. I just want to go out and do our best all the time and win early yeah, and blah, but, blah, blah. But part yeah. of that is me, you know, spending 11 years down there with Twampy people. And for, yeah. and I should explain what that means. T-W-A-M-P is, is um, an acronym. It stands for Typical William and Mary Person. And that's what people at William Mary call each other when they get kind of nerdy or geeky or things like that. They, they're, they're twomps. And so I started thinking about the two coaches mm -hmm. and how Tomlin could probably see how good McDermott is at making all those halftime adjustments. And they thought, well, you know what? We're going to just do it, do things totally different, both halves. So the question, so it's funny because people are like, oh, the Steelers made great halftime adjustments. They made great halftime adjustments. Did they make them at halftime or was that the plan the whole time? Uh, right. I think it was the you plan know, because, the whole time. I mean, now they, made, they made a few defensive adjustments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but nothing, I, they didn't make great, big, huge adjustments. But I suddenly saw some plays in the second half from that offense that I was like, Wow, why didn't we try try that in the first half? Yeah. Um Here, and I'm, then I got to, I got to think of more and more about it. And yeah, I thought, yeah. And since you brought up Cam Hayward, I don't want to lose this one. Nope, it's another five dollars from Sean Manahan in the tip jar. Man, thanks, Sean. You know, just <laughs> five dollars at a time. Here he goes. He says, wait till it's Cam and to it on the line and all three rushers, Melvin, Bush, I think he means Watt and High Smith, all linebacker on the same play. Yep. Um yeah, and do you realize that the Steelers only went with two defensive? I mean, they played sub package the whole game. Yep, the whole game. That's that. what they did. But like Coach Tomlin was saying today, whether it was the not blitzing, whether it was the sub packaging, whether whatever, he's like, we did what we felt we needed to do 
that game. Yes. Next week, we'll do what else we feel like we need to do. That game. That game. Yeah. You know? And, so, that's how, and that's how a team should be coached. Yeah. That's how yeah. game plans should be drawn up, doing what you need to do for that particular opponent. Yeah. Do it. So. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And, I mean, I was – Cam Sutton, when you oh. when you look at – I mean, we have a Steelers vertex coming out tomorrow. Um, it's about Cam Sutton because we – last year, Jeffrey and I looked at the Bills, the halftime adjustment that they made on offense where they got – Stefan Diggs on the other side of the formation to get him on Cam Sutton, all except like the one play he had that was a touchdown, and how he just exploded in two drives and got almost all his stats in those two drives. Cam Sutton looked like a completely different player. I mean, it didn't matter. He was not, it, it seemed like he was, there was no paralysis by analysis. He was reacting and going fast. He was, I mean, even yes. when he was given Diggs, a big cushion. Jeffrey has an article or an article, a clip that you'll see in the article tomorrow. If you, if you got to come check it out where he drops off digs, digs runs, you know, cuts his route off and Sutton flies to him and tackles him shy of the sticks. Yeah. You know that he was just, I mean, he did this, the same thing on the fourth down play. He flew to it. He, he didn't hesitate. He went right to it. He was confident in what he was doing it just seemed it's like, like they the had game had slowed going, down for him. They had him going read, react, not yeah. read, decide, react. Yeah, just read, react. You are right. So yeah, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> now people are talking about the antlers coming out of your head. <laughs> Sorry. So these these were a few things. I get it. So the question is. What, do you have another point? Because you've already made a couple of really good points. I don't those, want to cut you off. Those were my two one. big things was the offensive okay. point and then just the whole defensive point slash Kim Hayward was a man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not um, a dude. Yeah. Javier says Sutton gets my game ball. The question is, Javier, did you come and check out the, the article um, at, at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one sub shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers? It was an idea I came up with late Sunday night. And I ran it by Jeff. I said, I can do this earlier, but if you want me to, I can still do it late tonight. He's like, do it. We'll do it every week. We're doing a BTSE game ball. And I'm I'm nominating five players after the game. It's always going to be players. It's not going to be coaches. We're going to stick to players um, to give a game ball. I'm going to give a little bit better explanation of what a game ball is in the future. A game ball doesn't necessarily mean you're the best player on the field. Okay. A game ball means that you did something extra special that stood out and, you know, sometimes, you know, it's the tradition of a coach. They have a ball after the game. Like in high school, you have your game ball. And sometimes you're just like, hey, this is for you. You know, sometimes it's where like a player, you know, I remember one time given a um, where I didn't do it, but I was on the coaching staff where a coach gave gave a game ball to a kid whose who's, um, grandmother died that week. And right. he came out and he played and he played hard and they gave him the game ball. So the game ball doesn't necessarily go to, you know, oh, who's the best player on the it goes to someone who really went and and made a big difference. So that's going to be an article that we're going to run um game days after. Well, I mean, if it's a one o'clock game, I don't know how it's going to work on other other ones. So make sure you check that out behind the steel curtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. We got more in super chat here, bro. We got thanks, mean Joe, five dollars in the tip. Thanks, jar. mean Joe. 
I'm hoping this is appropriate because I didn't read it before I brought it up. He's <laughs> thanks, me, Joe. If this is a good comment, um, here's what it comes down to: Steelers defense will keep them in position to win every game. Get that O line rolling. Steelers win seventh Super Bowl ring. You know what, Joe? That I saw. Thanks, me, Joe, and I'm like, I'm going to trust this this comment. And boy, was it a good one. See, you, you didn't let me down. You didn't let me down. I mean, it's that's a, and that's my that was my point in the throughout the off season with people that were so down on the Steelers. I'm like. Do you not realize how good this defense still is? Oh, but they lost Bud Dupree. Oh, but they lost too much at the corner. It's so funny because I put this in our staff Slack channel. I, during the game, during the commercial break, I was watching the game with our dad. He he was down because uh, my my mom was was in town to go to a bridal shower um, that my wife took her to. So my dad was here to watch the game with me. It was fantastic. So. During the time, there was times during commercials I would flip over to Red Zone for him just so he could see what was going on otherwise. And what do you know, the one time we flip over just in time on a fourth down play to see Adam Thielen catch a short pass and take it the whole way for a touchdown against none other than Mike Hilton. You know, <laughs> So um, I didn't see anything else in that game to know what kind of game he had. I know Bud Dupree had one tackle and had a really low PFF score. Tennessee Titans fans are upset about that. We already talked about the whole Big Al stuff. It's kind of like they're like, oh, the Steelers lost these players. But the Steelers had in mind what they were going to do. I mean, it was on the website today. I don't know if you you saw Michael's article about, is this the best trio of oh, edge rushers mm -hmm. that the Steelers have had? The fact that they have three. What? How do you feel about the edge rushers on, on, uh, on oh, Sunday? Oh, my right? goodness. I, to me, it's fantastic because – Especially, you know, with especially with TJ coming in, not having a whole whole lot of regular contact before this game, you're worried about, you know, how his stamina would be. Yeah. And everybody else, man, they just rotated those three guys constantly, and it didn't matter who was in there. They were getting near the near the quarterback and knocking the quarterback down and just wreaking havoc. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just to know, out of the 85 snaps, TJ played 69 snaps. Melvin Ingram played 54. Alex Highsmith played 46. Mm -hmm. So that's I, how I it broke it down. A, I thought it was a fantastic division of the snaps. Yeah. Should keep all the guys happy. Yeah. Um, oh, and Jameer Jones got one. Sorry. Yes. I forgot that one. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. really, that was pretty nice. And Coach Tomlin addressed that. He He did. Um, today in the press conference, he's like, uh, I'm not going to set up that to make it have to be a certain number in a certain way all the time. We're just going to do what needs to be done because we have capable people of doing it. So yep. with that, I don't think we're quite done talking about this game. We're going to get to the next game, but, but there's a few more things that we're going to, we're going to pick up with when we come back from the break, but we will get into then this week's game because I got some kind of important stuff to say about that, okay. but, uh, we're still trying to determine if it's time to get excited about this, this dealer's team. I think you could tell by our level of excitement what the answer really is. So if you're with us on the audio side, go ahead and click the part two. If you're with us here on YouTube or Facebook Live, give us a few seconds and we'll be right back.